This week's shir is being given in memory of Moshe ben Yehuda Cohen, father of my good friend, Rabbi Dr. Chaim Abrams, Ebi Le'ili Nishmasa. Welcome to the re-recording of the shir in Avodah Saparsha that took place last night in this Medrash Ner Avram and Shari Chesed Yerushalayim with a very fine tzibur. Unfortunately, I didn't plug in the microphone properly, but it helps me get things together a little bit more. Another Chazara, and let's try to see what we tried to give over last night and what we gained from going through it last night and reapproaching it today. Parshas Vayigash, Vayigash Shelov Yehuda, we find in sources already from the Medrash Rabbah, is that we are supposed to take lessons about tefillah from Yehuda's approach to Yosef. The Medrash points out that the word Vayigash, Hagosha, is one of the terms used for tefillah, one of the Lashonas of tefillah. Yehuda, right, the Svasemis brings down and others, represents all Jews at all times. Again, we are called Yehudim, not Ruvenim, not Shimonim, but all Jews are called Yehudim. We'll see more about his name in a little bit. And even though he was speaking to Yosef, so we find in Hasidish Sforim, such as the Bermaim Chaim, number one, that tzaddikim, when they speak even to other people, are focused in speaking towards HaKadosh Baruch Hu. One example is the Vilna Gons parish in the Megillah, who says that when Esther and Mordechai were speaking to Achashverosh, so they weren't really speaking to him, they were speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the roots of this way of uh, explaining the Megillah in which every use of the word Hamelech, if it's not Hamelech HaChashverosh, refers to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, right, the ultimate Melech. So Yosef, he says, also represents Am Yisrael's covenant with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the bris, and therefore he represents the connection of Am Yisrael to Hashem, and therefore now we extrapolate Vayigash, they love Yehuda, Yehuda approaching tefillah, any Jew approaching tefillah. Now, the way in which Yehuda has to approach tefillah here is in a particular situation. It's a situation in which he has no leg to stand on. Right? Yosef had said that the one who the cup was found in his, uh, in his bag would be a, his slave. It was found in the bag of Binyamin. There was no question about that. It's very embarrassing to be caught like that after originally denying, right? And then it was there. And the person knows that when you approach, when you've done something wrong, it's very hard to approach and to make your case. So this embarrassing and uh, intimidating type of situation is the one that helps us understand how are we supposed to approach tefillah in a similar situation. Why would we have a similar situation? We don't find stolen kiddush cups in our bags. But anytime a person really thinks carefully before they approach tefillah, and approaching tefillah means to be omed lifnei melch to stand before the king. That's why we take those three steps back and forth. Right? The Rav Chaim Soloveitchik says that's an overriding kavanah of tefillah according to the Rambam that's always supposed to be there, that you're omed lifnei melch. Now, if a person thinks about how loyal or disloyal he's been to the Melech, it's very hard to enter that throne room and to stand there 
and to put forth your case. So let's first take a look in general from the Derech HaMelech, the Sefer of the Piasets and the Rebbe's itself. It was actually a piece on the end of Parshas Miketz, but it very much addresses what's going on here. And then we're going to see other Mepharshim who tie it directly into Tefillah per se. The Piasets and Rebbe says that we're told, Avod me'ahava, avod mi'ira. That we're supposed to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with love and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with fear or awe. Now he says, he goes into the dangers of someone who has the fear aspect, which is predominant, without the ahava. Right? The Zara Kodesh, I believe, says that ahava and yira are like trey gadfin, they're two wings, right? And whether a bird or an airplane, it needs both wings in order to fly, and certainly to fly straight. He says, sometimes if a person has a lot of fear and awe of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Ein Sof, the infinite, so he says, He says, Am I worthy of serving Hashem? Of coming close to Hashem? And then he takes it a step further. He says, He says, Are my mitzvahs actually not a blessing, but like a curse? That phrase, Menayetz, is referring to something the Gemara says in Masechah Sanhedrin. It talks about a case where a person stole flour, kneaded dough, and then is separating challah. Can he make a bracha on it? And they said, This person isn't making a bracha. It's, it's like a curse or a blasphemy right? to do that. So he, he looks at his own mitzvahs. He says, for someone like me to do a mitzvah, how can I view that as something positive? Isn't that make the mitzvah itself something negative? Now he says, we're not talking about a person here who's thrown off mitzvahs. He says he will do those things that he's absolutely required to do. He will eat matzah on Pesach, right? He will do these things. But he says the idea of actually looking to do more mitzvahs, he stays away from that. He thinks the less mitzvahs I try to do, the better, because I'm such a lowly criminal person. Right? It's, it's, it's a negative thing, it's an embarrassing thing, it's a disrespectful thing for me to draw close to Hashem and do the mitzvahs. He says this is if he has only yira. But a person who has ahava also, and this desire to be close to Hashem, that overrides. He says, all those things may be true. I'm not fooling myself about who I am or what I've done, but I must be close to Hashem. I must do the mitzvahs of Hashem because of love. The Talmud Yushalmi speaks about the Pasuk in Mishlei, Ba'avosa Tishget Tomid. Right? In the love of Torah, Tishget Tomid literally means you will think about it constantly. But the Yushalmi applies it to the idea of shogeg, of making a mistake. Meaning that he says that an ava. The love which a person has helps him get over this impediment that he knows I'm probably getting some things wrong in this mitzvah. It is very, very difficult to have all the knowledge, and even if you have all the knowledge, to actually recall it and apply it in order to do a mitzvah perfectly. Who can do such a thing? He says a person of fear, that will paralyze him. However, a person with love says, I know. There will be mistakes. Out of my love, I'm going to do as many mitzvahs as I can. And by its very nature, I'm probably going to make mistakes when I do them. Nonetheless, I'm not going to let that stop me.
Okay, this is something that I'm going to try to do, and I'll continue to improve. This is the basis of Am Yisrael's Nasev and Nishma. If Am Yisrael had first said Nishma, we will hear, and then we will do, it would be implying we will learn how to do the mitzvah perfectly, and only, so to speak, once we have trained ourselves and got to that state will we do the mitzvah. Nasev and Nishma means we do, even though it's quite obvious to us that we haven't yet heard everything. We will do and we will learn, and we will do and we will learn some more. And obviously, as I learn some more the next day, I may realize that I may have made a mistake in part of the mitzvah yesterday. That's all part of it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves those mitzvahs, and we do them out of love. There's a medrash on the Psukim in Shirashirim where it says, V'diglo olai ahava, right, that his, um, his banner is above me in love. Chazal say, Dilugo, or liglugo, his skipping or his mispronunciation is beloved to Hashem. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that if a person is davening and he mispronounces a word, he doesn't know how to get it right, or he skipped a word, again, we're not encouraging people to be lackadaisical, whether about mitzvahs or about tefillah. But someone who's sincere and trying, HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves even that mispronunciation. Diglo alai ahava. So this is what a person has to have. Otherwise, he says, a person's going to be paralyzed and he won't do anything. He actually continues on. He says, even such a person, at the end of his life, if he's escorted to Gan Eden, he'll be afraid to walk in. He'll think that he's too lowly and with all the averas that he did and can't go enter into a place of such spirituality and such things, he's going to end up staying outside the door and never going in. A person who loves and wants to be close to Hashem, if he sees that opportunity, okay, I'm not the best looking person in there in terms of my record, in terms of my rap sheet, but if I'm able to go and I'm able to get close to the Shechina, I'm in. So this was the Piyasetz and Rebbe's encouragement, which is very key for all of us at all times. Now let's take a look at tefillah itself. One of the major sources that is quoted all over in terms of this idea of Yehuda approaching, representing tefillah, is the Sefer Zerah Kodesh of Rav Naftali of Ropshitz. And he says that there are three approaches that we can see in Yehuda's statement that can help us approach tefillah. Yehuda said, Vayigash, I love Yehuda, Vayomer, Bi Adoni. Bi Adoni literally means, please my master. But, the word be has another meaning. It means inside of me. Okay? Be Adoni. The word Adoni is a word that can apply to a human being, in this case Yosef. But it's also the name, the way we pronounce Shem Hashem, the name of Adnus. It can be, I have inside of me this connection to Hashem. And that enables you to approach Hashem no matter what. So here are the different forms of this connection. Connection number one, be Adoni, I have a constant link to HaKadosh Baruch Hu from where I come from. I'm a descendant of the Ovas. I'm part of Am Yisrael that was founded by the Ovas. And therefore, even though I'm so far, even though I'm so distant, I'm connected. The Moshe brought comes from the Pasuk, Yaakov Hevel Nachalasa. Yaakov is the rope of his inheritance. So he says, in many places, bring such a, a mushal, the Nefesh Chaim also, that if you have a very long rope that goes up to a bell that's on top of a tower, 
and the person all the way at the bottom pulls the bottom of the rope, that pull continues on up the rope until it reaches the top and it rings the bell. Meaning no matter how low I am, I'm connected to that rope. In fact, we have to realize, right, that our generation, which is often called the ikvis of the Mashiach, or the heels of the Mashiach, on one hand, the heel is the lowest part in the body. Some point out that the heel has very little sensitivity as opposed to other things in the body. But you have to realize that the body only walks because you have a heel. Everything that was done in the previous generations, from the Ovos to Moshe Rabbeinu, to the Tanoim, to the Amoraim, etc., etc., only goes on if we move it forward. We are the continuation of that project, of that mission in this generation. And that gives us a sense of connection and importance that actually demands of us to come close to Hashem and to open our mouths in tefillah. The next thing that we learn from him is a variation. Be Adoni, every Jew has inside of himself what's called the chelak elokam mima'al. Our nefesh, our neshama is a spark, so to speak, of godliness that's inside of every Jew and it can never be touched, it can never be contaminated, it can never be eliminated, it can never be damaged. It's always there in every single Jew. And that Nakuda yearns to be united, so to speak, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because it's very part and parcel of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And tefillah is one of the most powerful ways to unite in that way. So therefore, a person never has to feel, how can I go and daven? I'm obviously insincere since I don't behave the way I should, etc., etc. Et there is that sincerity inside of you. There is a point inside of you always which is true and which truly yearns for Hashem and that is the essence of our true identity. And with that, a person can approach. And it's very important to realize that every single Jew has this and to look at every single Jew in that way no matter what. The third is complicated. I actually misquoted in the shir last night so I'm glad I have a, an opportunity to Fix it. He says, Sometimes a person merits to have HaKadosh Baruch Hu davening with him. Okay, this is a very mind-twisting type of concept. The Gemara says and brings proof that HaKadosh Baruch Hu davens. Okay? It's a very tricky concept. Okay? But taking it as it is, there is such a concept of HaKadosh Baruch Hu davening right, for as the example in the Gemara, right, that his mercy will overcome all of his other midos, for example. So he says here that certainly certain tzaddikim managed to have, so to speak, the shechina medaberes mitoch grono, that their words of tefillah are actually going to be coming from the shechina which is inside of them, not even their own personal words. But it's not just limited for them. The Rav Chitzer says, Specifically, that person who approaches and feels that he doesn't have the right to come and daven to Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu davens with that person. And that is already a very different type of tefillah. Right? That is something which is there. So we have to understand Right, uh, this is 
he gives the marshal here of a, a person who has to go to court before the king, and the king himself defends him. Obviously, that's a very different kind of trial. There was a mice I saw, I forget the name of the Rav who was involved. It was a Rav, and um, in his household, they had a maid, and his wife came to him, and she said, things have been disappearing in the house, and I have strong reason to believe that it was the maid, and I believe that I may have proof for that, and I want to go to the basin of the town and to make my claim. So the Rav said, okay, I hear what you're saying. And he got up and he put on his coat. And his Rebetzin said, uh, you don't have to come. I can, I can handle myself in Beisdin. He said, I'm not coming for you. I'm coming to defend her. Okay, so if you have the Rav defending you, it's a very different ballgame, so to speak. And obviously here, this idea of Shechina Medaberos Mitoch Another concept in this idea of Tefillah is brought by the Tefer Shlomo, and that is, Yehuda was not coming to Davin for himself. Yehuda was coming to Davin on behalf of Binyamin, on behalf of Yaakov Avinu, and on behalf of the entire endeavor of Am Yisrael in its future. When a person is not just davening for himself, that gives you the strength and confidence to be able to come and put forth your tefillah. It's got a certain purity to it. And that always has to be in our tefillahs. If we remember, all of our tefillah is Lashon Rabim. All of our tefillah in Shemon Esra, it's plural, right? Refa'ein nu, right? Hashem, heal us. Give us understanding and wisdom. So that aspect is supposed to be lodged in our mind. Some Sidurim bring down that the Arizal said, before davening, you're always supposed to say that you're makabal on yourself, the mitzvah, to love every Jew like yourself. That frames and puts into context the whole tefillah, and therefore you don't have to let your embarrassment stop you because you're coming here on behalf of everyone, on behalf of all these things. There's a beautiful story I saw about one of the Pshivorska Rebbe's, before he became Rebbe, he was either the son or son-in-law of the Rebbe at the time, and the base Medrash of Pshivorsk is in Antwerp, in Belgium. Now, Antwerp is a center for many Jewish travelers, and especially when the, the Diamond Bursa was a very central um, business that many Jews were in, in Antwerp and in other places in the world, people who dealt in diamonds and jewelry would come through there. So in the Pshivorsk shul, so this young Rav had a custom that he would keep his eyes open before davening for a Jew that came in and looked like he was coming in from the airport. And he would approach him to welcome him in and to offer him two things. First of all, a cup of coffee. Second of all is um, to ask him if he would like his suitcase to be locked up in the shul's office because many of these suitcases contained valuable diamonds and things like this. So the story was that a certain very big Talmud Chacham from Eretz Yisrael came to that shul and he walked in with his suitcase and the young man came over to him he offered a cup of coffee, taking the suitcase and the Rav rebuked him. He said, no, it's not davening, right? It's before davening. How can you be talking before davening? How can you be involved in other things before davening? But the young Rav answered rather strongly. He says, it says in the Siddur, to be makabal on yourself and even to say verbally, before davening. He said, it's not a, um, 
It's not just a saying, right? It's not an incantation. It has real action points. The coffee and the taking care of the suitcase are the applications of Vahavta Lerecha So that's supposed to be the mode in which we approach davening. One last approach, which is very important, tied into the name Yehuda. We said we would get back to that. All Jews are called Al Shem Yehuda, and Yehuda is based on the idea of Hoda'a. Now, Hoda'a is an interesting thing. The word Hoda'a, on one hand, means thank you, as we say, Toda, L'hoda'a l'halel. On the other hand, it's related to the root of Vidui, right? It's the same root of confessing something, admitting something. To be Moda B'miksas in Halacha, when a person admits that at least part of the claim against him, he does owe. How do those two go together? Rav explains that it's quite simple, that every thank you really is also admitting, I needed you. It can be something as simple as asking someone across the table to pass you the ketchup. And when you get the ketchup and say thank you, you're admitting, thank you, I needed your help. The ketchup was all the way over there. And you helped me. Thank you. Some people don't like thanking because they feel that it is an aspect of submission and submissiveness. But that's the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be people who recognize that we need others and recognizing that need and appreciating the help we get or the goodness that we get from others and thanking that helps make us who we are. When we say modim in davening, we bow down. That submissive, so to speak, body, body language. On one hand, we're thanking. On the other hand, we're admitting. I'd once uh, mentioned something I, I learned. I was in a taxi years ago and another taxi pulled up next to him. And my taxi driver rolled down his window and said to the other one, I'm out of cigarettes. And the guy gave him a cigarette and he rolled up the window. And it was a very puzzling exchange to me. He just announced that he's out of cigarettes. And the response of the other fellow was to give him one. And there wasn't any please, wasn't any thank you. And I realized that it was related because some people are too macho, so to speak, to want to ask, could you please? Especially because they don't want to afterwards have to say thank you because that vidui of I needed you, I wasn't capable of doing this myself, they feel humbles them. To us, that's something which elevates us. That's a Yehudi. The name Yehuda, so Asemis points out, has the full Shem Hashem, all four letters, Yudke Vovke, which on one hand could make a person feel arrogant. Who has such a name? But it also has the letter Dalit in there. Chazal gives us meanings of the Hebrew letters. The letter Dalit stands for Dal, poor. Right? It says Gimel Dalit, that combination stands for Gimel Dalim, give to the poor. It says even the shape of the letters, the Gimel, almost looks like running feet. And the foot of the Gimel is extended toward the Dalit, toward the next letter, which shows that you're supposed to actually pursue the poor person in order to give him the tzedakah that he needs. So Yehuda, on one hand, tempers the fact that he has the Shem Hashem as his name, so to speak, in there with the Dalit. Nonetheless, I'm admitting that everything is a gift. It's not me. On the other hand, when Yehuda is in a Dalit state, meaning when he's Dal, if he's done something wrong, if he's fallen, if he's embarrassed, he remembers that he has the name of Hashem in him, Bi Adoni, that name is always there. 
and that enables him to get up at all times. So this is an important key. So Samus also explains that that's part of the lion image of Yehuda, that a lion, when he's up and about, is a lion, but a lion, even when he's crouching down, he's still a lion, okay? And that is who we are. I just want to finish with a story about Rav Moshe Feinstein about this idea of modim, of thanking. There was one time he was at one of the rabbinical conventions, maybe a Naguda convention or another such convention, and after the Shabbos Sunday morning, they were going to be driving him back home, and then he said, wait, I didn't get to go to the kitchen and thank the people who prepared the food. So the people escorting him out said, Rebbe, you don't have to worry about it. The organization sends letters to all of the employees thanking them on behalf of our organization. So Moshe said, no, that's not enough, and I'll show you why. In Shemun Esrei, we have Chazar Sashatz. After we say our own personal Amidah, so the Chazan repeats. And our job is to pay attention and to answer Omen to that. There's only one bracha in there where when the Chazan says something, we also have something to say. That's the bracha of Modim. There's the paragraph of Modim Durabonan, which is instituted for us to be thanking Hashem in another Nusach while the Chazan is saying modim in his nosach. Why? Moshe explained, because thanking is something you have to do personally. Thanking is not something you can do, so to speak, by being yotze through someone else's saying thank you on your behalf. Yehudim, that's who we are. We start off our day with modeani, with the thanks and with an admitting that everything and all we are is from Hashem. And that doesn't make us distant from Hashem, it enables us to be close and to draw close because that's the right mindset and the right balance of Ava and Yira, of the name of Yehuda, of who we are as Yehudim, that enables us always to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. May he answer the tefillahs of all of Am Yisrael in this troubled time and in all times. May everyone have a wonderful Shabbos Kol Tuv.